0: I'm Crystal DiMicelli, and welcome to the Forces for Nature show. Do you find yourself overwhelmed with all the doom and gloom you hear of these days? Do you feel like you, as just one person, can't really make a difference? Forces for Nature cuts through that negativity. In each episode, I interview someone who's doing great things for animals and the environment. We talk through the problem they're addressing, the solution they have found... We'll keep some going, and we'll leave you with practical action tips so that you, too, can become a force for nature. Today's guest is Anna Rathman, director of the Great Plains Foundation. Great Plains is a really interesting organization because it's a hybrid between a commercial safari tourism outfitter and its nonprofit arm that focuses on environmental and wildlife conservation in Botswana, Kenya, and Zimbabwe. Now, they do great work overall, but today we're going to focus on their newest endeavor called Project Ranger. They started this in response to the COVID pandemic, which many fear will result in a poaching pandemic. I'll let Anna tell you all about it. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for joining me on Forces for Nature. It's so great to have you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, the COVID pandemic took everyone by surprise and countries had different ways of responding to it. What were the first few weeks of the pandemic like in the areas that the Great Plains Foundation works?
1: Yeah. So, the Great Plains Foundations, we operate projects in Kenya, Zimbabwe, and Botswana. So, the first few weeks as COVID really came into focus on a global perspective, You know, there was, I think, like anywhere in the world, a lot of uncertainty about what it meant and how it would affect uh, local communities in each of those areas. As COVID came across the world um, and you started to see more and more borders closing down, that started to have some serious, paint a serious portrait of what we were going to be in for um, in each of those areas. So, you know, I think uncertainty would be the main word there. In the countries where we were working, when the borders finally did close, that had huge implications, certainly for our tourism operations. We had guests who needed to be removed from camps and helped assisted get home to their international destinations. But then as further lockdowns went into effect, it meant that our staff were not able to conduct their work and their projects, particularly things that included group projects like education programs and other community-centric programs. So as the lockdowns and, and movement was being restricted, that just meant that a lot of our programs had to be paused.
0: And with everyday life, same as anywhere else in the world, everybody needed to quarantine and they no longer had the mobility they had before, I assume.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in each country where we worked, or where we work, it was, there were different uh, restrictions put in place. And those were dictated by the local government of, of that country. So um I can speak about in Botswana, for instance, there was uh, restrictions, there was a, a lockdown put into effect where people were not able to move about. And so in many Similar to what we've seen in Europe and the U.S. and elsewhere in the world where people were asked to stay home. So... It, did, it has limited mobility. There are um, certain jobs that are designated as essential, again, similar to what is happening throughout the rest of the world. And we were happy that our wildlife monitoring efforts were deemed essential. So those personnel have continued to be able to do their jobs. Um, we've continued to be able to do aerial surveillance. So flying over the areas where we do have wildlife monitoring programs in effect So those roles were deemed essential. Oh, that's good to hear.
0: Now, how did ecotourism help conservation and control poaching?
1: So ecotourism and the travel industry at large has served as a de facto and and by default deterrent to wildlife crime in many areas where it operates. The reason being if you have tourists there and you have all of the associated roles that come along with a tourism industry in the areas, you just have more people, more visibility on the animals and, and the areas. And so you're going to notice if there are incursions. As COVID has brought tourism to a standstill in Africa, certainly international tourism to a standstill, and really emptied out a lot of these wilderness areas. It's left the wildlife vulnerable. And what we are starting to see and and members within the intelligence communities are reporting is that there's been a rise in wildlife crime incidents, rates of incursions into these protected areas, and trafficking of wildlife products.
0: Besides just presence, does tourism pay for these services of monitoring and tracking of poachers?
1: Yes, absolutely. The conservation industry within Africa and in other parts of the world is reliant upon profit sharing and other revenue streams from tourism operations. So absolutely. In addition to the loss of presence and and general eyeballs in the area, there's been significant losses of revenue. And one of the statistics that I heard quoted recently was in Uganda, it's been the $2 million a month of revenue loss um, as a result of COVID.
0: And that's money that goes a very long way in that part of the world.
1: Yes, and it's money that's related to and funding conservation efforts.
0: And do you have a statistic about how many people have lost work and what
1: size area they protected? So the loss of jobs is, it's complicated, again, because you're dealing with multiple different factors in different areas. Um, I can share that within Great Plains, what we have done, which we've seen done by other partners within the travel and tourism sector as well, is that our staffs who interacted with the wilderness areas on a regular basis, I'm talking mainly about our guides and others, their roles have been pivoted to wildlife monitoring and helping secure those areas. So while tourists aren't there, we are still, we have our staff in place. They still go out, they check on the animals. And so those roles have pivoted as a result.
0: Oh, wow. That's great that you guys were able to still continue that for for the moment. And what size area do
1: you guys work in? How much land do you protect or have eyes on, maybe, is the better question. Great Plains Conservation and its foundation are responsible for over a million acres of land in Africa, in southern Africa, in the countries of um, Kenya, Botswana, and Zimbabwe. Well, that's pretty significant.
0: Has there been an uptick in poaching since all this happened? I actually believe you may have said that there was.
1: What we're hearing from wildlife uh, intelligence agencies, those who focus on the issues surrounding wildlife crime and trafficking, is that there have been incursions that have been increased post COVID. And these are things where it falls into different categories. So when we're thinking about wildlife crimes, there are, you know, oftentimes things like elephants for their ivory and rhinos for their horns, pangolins for their scales will come to mind because those are high value wildlife products, but there's also bushmeat trade. And so when we're talking about poaching and incursions um, as a result of the bushmeat trade, that's also seen significant increases. And the reasons for that are are varied. In certain areas there are concerns about food security and poaching of bushmeat is an is a way to to get meat for you, for your community. So there are there are those issues as well, in addition to the ivory and, and rhino horn and pangolin scales and other wildlife products.
0: So because people need food to survive, are there solutions in place that could help deter them from going for bushmeat?
1: Uh, the issue of food security is is critical. If people are hungry and they need to feed their families and their communities, the bushmeat poaching is is going to naturally be an issue. Ways that the tourism industry has been helping to alleviate that concern and the repercussions of food security issues where you have incidents of bushmeat poaching are food donation and distribution programs. Again, much like we've seen in the U.S. where school systems and other public institutions facilitate meals for children at school and elsewhere. So there are programs where there are there's food being distributed to communities, especially at-risk communities through the the travel and tourism industry. Oh, so the travel and tourism industry helps to fund that as well. Working with communities is paramount to all conservation efforts. And so as much as you can integrate communities and communities' well-being and the livelihoods of community members into positive actions, um, it just benefits all sectors, including conservation.
0: Yeah, conservation has to include people. Otherwise, it'll never work. So tell me about this new initiative, Project Ranger.
1: Project Ranger was really uh, created to help fund um, what we were starting to see early in the COVID pandemic, and that is the budget shortfalls um, that were going to be occurring because tourism was halting. Tourism helps fund much of the conservation activities, the wildlife monitoring activities, anti-poaching activities throughout Africa. And so as tourism revenues were halting due to international travel restrictions and the closing of borders, it became very apparent very early that there were going to be significant budget shortfalls. Great Plains brought together a team of advisors to conceptualize the Project Ranger initiative, which is funding frontline conservation personnel. It is a pan-Africa project, so it will not just focus on the areas where we have operations. It's going to focus throughout Africa and is looking to fund rangers whose budgets have been depleted as a result of tourism dollars drying up. We are not focused on funding governments. We are focused on funding NGOs with a proven track record in wildlife monitoring and anti-poaching activities.
0: Okay. And do you have a monetary goal or as much as humanly possible?
1: Yeah, of course. Obviously, the goals um, are ambitious. We are looking to fund 5,000 rangers. It's $6,000 to fund one ranger for a year through the Project Ranger Initiative. So doing that math, um, it comes up to tens of (laughs) millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is um, since the project launched, since the initiative publicly launched in May, we have had some nice support come through, including um, a gift that is funding 17 rangers in Uganda. So in response to some of the issues surrounding gorilla conservation, um, we're going to be able to keep 17 rangers in Uganda in place.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And I assume... I mean nobody in the world knows for how long this will be necessary but if we can secure a ranger for a year
1: that would be a good start I assume and that is the hope that is the hope yeah so eventually um there will be a new normal and tourism will rebound and it may look different but it will it will resume so our goal really is that this will is emergency funding for these programs and these initiatives um, so that one year of funding for each ranger is the target.
0: And have you run into any roadblocks? And how did you get around them?
1: Yes, we have run into roadblocks. And the, the main roadblock at the moment is the extent of the need. Because this project is Pan-Africa, when we announced it, um, we were flooded with all kinds of requests for funding and really it's been a stark reminder of just how extensive the ripple effects from COVID are economically on the conservation sector within Africa and the concern about how quickly the funds that are in place for many of these conservation organizations how quickly those funds will run out so the largest roadblock is just the extent of the need and just getting the funding to them
0: is the best way around this.
1: Right. And I think that, you know, so often when confronted with something where the challenge is large, you know, you don't get there in a single step and you don't get to the summit of Everest in a single step. You get there in a series of step after step after step. And that's that's how we have to confront each of these challenges, acknowledging that that summit is far and it's high, but... You keep taking a step forward and eventually we'll get there. Make an impact.
0: Absolutely. Now, we don't know when this pandemic will be under control and when people will be able to start traveling again and whether funding will be available as it was before. This
1: is all pretty discouraging. What brings you hope in all of this? Well, first of all, we cannot be discouraged. Within Great Plains Conservation and the Foundation activities, we talk about being optimists and not just being optimists, but being fiercely optimistic. There is a brighter future. There is, There are reasons for hope. There are beautiful stories of success and of impact and of effective conservation. So there are absolutely, absolutely bright points that that we all need to focus on. And like I said earlier, no one knows what the future of travel, international travel, will look like 18 months from now, two years from now, 20 years from now. But these wilderness areas are absolutely critical to maintain the animals. The communities who rely upon them are critical to be supported. And at Great Plains, that's, that's what we focus on. And that is our North Star
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about the organization Great
1: Plains Foundation? Absolutely. The Great Plains Foundation is the associated foundation of an ecotourism company, Great Plains Conservation. And we operate projects in Kenya, Zimbabwe, and Botswana that seek to preserve and protect wilderness areas in those areas. So we work hand-in-hand with the communities in each of those areas where our projects are. We focus on education programs, conservation education programs, economic empowerment programs, and then we also have large landscape restoration programs and programs and initiatives that are focused on species-specific conservation, the largest of which is a rhino relocation and reintroduction program titled Rhinos Without Borders, where the Great Plains Foundation, along with its partner, the Africa Foundation, relocated 87 rhinos from areas of intense poaching in South Africa to wilderness areas in Botswana. We also have projects that focus on great cats, particularly lions, that we do in partnership with other NGOs in the areas, um, as well as elephants and other species.
0: Yeah, I've seen pictures of the rhino relocations, and they're really quite impressive. So for the listener, go check out those pictures. It's it's really quite cool.
1: It's an amazing program. Rhinos Without Borders has been this amazing program because it has brought together conservationists from around the world. And it was a very tangible, actionable, understandable program where you are moving rhinos from areas of intense poaching hotspots and giving them a second chance. And the second chance theme is also something that we focus on within Great Plains. We have a program that's called Solar Mamas, which is training women in rural communities who are either illiterate or semi-literate and training them in the solar energy technology. So these women are are given the opportunities to learn how to install and maintain solar systems for their communities to power everything from individual household lighting to shared community infrastructures like the well.
0: When I visited the Maasai Mara, there are no power lines anywhere, which is which is a great thing in one respect, but yeah, lighting for communities and electricity in general is an issue. So that's wonderful that you guys can provide clean energy. Yep. How can people find out more information about Project Ranger and the Great Plains Foundation?
1: Project Ranger has mostly been distributing its information through social media. So there is a website that has been set up, and that is greatplainsfoundation.com forward slash ranger. You can go there to, to learn about the project and support the project. That site has an actual live tracker. That as people donate, you can see the number of rangers that have, have been added to to the project be, as a result of it. So, um, And also following us on our various social media channels, um, following Great Plains Foundation on Instagram, following Great Plains Conservation on Instagram and Facebook. Those are really the best places to learn about the project in real time, in addition to our other projects.
0: Okay. And I'll make sure all that information is in the show notes so that people have access to it. This has been great, Anna. Thank you so much. I'm excited to share this initiative.
1: Thank you for all that you're doing. You're making a difference. Well, thank you for what you're doing through this podcast to shine a light on on some of these issues and, and dig a little deeper and, and understand what a complex world we live in.
0: Oof, COVID has had so many far-reaching effects that many would never have even thought of. And what's worse is that no one knows how long this will go on for wear your mask, stop the spread, and when it's safe, go and support ecotourism efforts around the world that utilize their funds to support conservation measures. In the meanwhile, if you're able, consider supporting Project Ranger, monetarily or through raising awareness. We may be stuck at home, but there's still so much we can do. Don't forget to go to forcesfornature.com and sign up to receive weekly show notes, action tips, and be included in monthly giveaways. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to go to your podcast platform and please rate and review it. And don't forget to subscribe to never miss a new one. Hit me up on Instagram and Facebook and let me know what actions you've been taking. Adopting just one habit can be a game changer because imagine if a billion people also adopted that. What difference for the world are you going to make today?